Thank you for listening to the Alliance Church Podcast. We desire to connect you with God and one another, whether here in Wisconsin or around the world. Let's listen into this week's message. Well, good morning, church. My name's Brandon. I'm the lead pastor out here. Uh, I gotta say, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you guys choose on Sunday mornings to come to be here to worship with us. If you're new, I want you to know it's an honor that you would, you would uh, give our church a shot. And I, I, I pray that um, this church is just a blessing to you. I pray that this morning is an encouragement to you. And whether you end up here and this is your church home or if you end up somewhere else, uh, we just, uh, we're just so excited for you know, just what God's doing in your life. And so with that uh, said, let's dive into the message here. Whether you like it or not, fall is here. I know it's gonna be like 85 degrees, uh, but the fall's here. I mean, the leaves are falling, right? And where, where I live, at least, this is the time of year where we take the leaves that are on the ground and we push them into the street and, uh, you know, they, so that they can be collected. I don't know how they actually do it here in the village, but that's where I live. That's how we do it. And I heard those guys, those guys make a lot of money. Um, you know, apparently they really rake it in, so. Um. I got four kids, uh, so I can't help it. Uh, dad jokes aside, here's the deal. Fall is also the time of year we're here at Alliance Church. We just spent some time looking at our vision. Um, in, in other words, we're, we, we spent some time focusing on, in the next like five or so years, what are we dreaming about as a church? Like, what, are we, what are we feeling God, where do we feel God's leading us to go? What do we feel God is calling us to do? And how are we planning and strategizing to use our time and our resources to accomplish that? So next Sunday, as, as, as Josiah said, next Sunday, Pastor Brian will be out here, and that's exactly what he's going to be talking about. Um, he's going to share the details of our church's vision for the next five or so years. It's going to be a, a good Sunday. But before we get to talking about like what we're hoping God is going to do through us, I want us to ask the question, who does God want us to be? Who do we need to be for God to do this thing through us, to do this, this big vision, accomplish work through us? Um, a couple of weeks ago, I, I seeded a big section of our backyard that was bare. And so, of course, beforehand, I watched uh, 10, 15 minutes of YouTube. Uh, so I'm basically the subject matter expert now. And uh, I learned you got to loosen the soil up and you got you know, you to pull out all the weeds. You, and you, after you seed it, you got to lay the net with the straw to keep the moisture in and the birds out. Why? Because if the ground isn't prepared right, the seed isn't going isn't gonna to do its job. The seed isn't going to bring about its intended result. But if the ground is prepared right, what's going to happen? The seed is going to do its job. It's going to change the landscape of my backyard and make it a better place to live. Do you know that faith in Jesus is supposed to work the same way? Like the message, the gospel message of who Jesus is and what he has done for us and what he has promised us, that message is like a seed and your life is like the soil. And if that soil is prepared right, that seed's gonna do its job. It'll change through you, it'll change the landscape of the world around you and make it a better place to live. But if the soil of your life is hard, 
or shallow, full of thistles. Uh, It doesn't matter how much you come into contact with the gospel. It won't take root, and it'll, it'll essentially be ineffective. And sadly, that's where a lot of churchgoers just kind of camp out. It's where a lot of churchgoers choose to live. But God wants, he wants more for you. God wants a lot more for you than that. And that's the point um, that Jesus makes in the parable that we're going to read. It's Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 15. So what I want to do is read this parable. I want to pause and pray afterwards. And when I pray, I, I sincerely ask you, would you pray with me in your heart? And, and we're just going to say, God, would you, would you speak through this text to us today? And, um, and then we're going to look at it a little more closely. And simply, my, my goal is just that each one of us would hear from God through this text what we need to hear for our lives today. Here it is, Luke chapter 8. I'm going to start at verse 4. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked him what this, this parable meant. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on uh, their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Pray with me. I have a very simple request right now, Lord. Um, we don't, we don't want to hear my ideas. We don't want to hear our own ideas. We want to hear from your word what it means and what it means for us today. Lord, would you come now and help us understand? Would you give us ears to hear? In Jesus' name, amen. So what's going on here in this this little chapter? Verse 4 tells us that at this point in his ministry, Jesus was drawing an enormous crowd. Luke writes, people were coming to Jesus from town after town. So he's drawn a crowd from all over the place. He's got this enormous audience. And what's he doing? Well, back in verse 1, we would have seen, had I read that, we would have seen that the main thing he was doing was preaching. 
Luke says this, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. So what is Jesus doing? He's preaching the gospel. And what's the gospel? In a nutshell, the gospel is the message that Jesus is the rescue for humans, for any human who will trust him and follow him. At the center of the gospel message is a call to believe in Jesus and let him be king of your life. So he, as he's preaching this, and there's this big crowd, throughout this crowd, you know, there would have been a diversity of reactions. There are probably some there that are kind of nodding along as he's, as he's preaching. There's probably some that kind of had their arms crossed, not really buying what he's selling, you know. It may, it may have been some just broken down in tears. There might have been some kind of leaned over their whisp- there, there, and they're just kind of whispering with their neighbor, like, are you, are you hearing what this guy's saying? I don't know, what do you think? I don't you know, if there's anything like one of my sermons, there'd be at least one guy who, who's falling asleep. I mean, so, but, but um, in this diversity of immediate reactions, how could you tell who was really listening? Like, who's, who's really hearing him? So, he tells this parable. And at the end of it, we learn, as I just read, that there are some people in that crowd who, they can't even imagine what God's going to do with their life. There's so, there were some people in that crowd who, who would so hear and understand and just grab onto what Jesus is saying that their faith in him produces a bumper crop in the world. Like for every one good thing that God does in their life, he multiplies it a hundred times over out into the surrounding world. But sadly, in that crowd, there was also um, those whose life would bear no real fruit meaning everything they do would sort of build a house of cards that would just topple and ultimately blow away. Like, like sure, they would do some good stuff here and there, but looking at it through the lens of eternity and what actually matters, God won't do anything with their lives that truly lasts. And so the question becomes, when we read this parable, how do I be in that first group? How do I be in that? I don't want to be in that other group. Is there anything in my life that's ultimately working against what God wants to do? And I believe this parable helps us answer the question, how do we be in the right group? How do we, how do we align our lives with what God wants to do in us? And Jesus tells this parable. The first part of verse five says, a farmer went out to sow his seed. In other words, he went out to plant his crop by scattering seed uh, over his land. And Jesus explains in verse 11 that that seed in the parable, it represents the word of God. In other words, it represents what Jesus was preaching, the message of the kingdom, the message of Jesus Christ, the message of the cross, who God is who Jesus is, what he's done, what he promises us. And he says that that seed, it lands on four different types of soil. So let's look at each type of soil and ask the question, what does each of them represent? The first soil is hard. The seed has no chance. Verse five continues, as he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. In other words, the ground was hard. It's compacted from all the foot traffic, and the seed has no chance of making its way into the soil. Right? So it's no, it's no challenge for the birds. 
They don't have to search for it. They don't have to dig it up. They just swoop down and snatch it up and it's gone. The seed doesn't have a chance. And it never finds a place in the soil where it can sprout. It never finds its place in the soil where, where it can begin to grow. And what does that represent? Well, Jesus explains in verse 12, those along the path are the ones who hear and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts. And what's his goal? So, they, so they're not saved. So they don't believe. You know, and this might be you right now. Is your heart hard to God? The soil of your heart, it might be just hard to God. And how did it get that way? Probably the same way as the path. People, people walking on it. Like if enough people walk on a heart, it'll just tend to harden. Hearts just kind of tend to harden up when people walk on them. And not just toward other people, but also toward God. And especially if the ones doing the walking claim to be Christians. But however it became so callous, the point is this. The hard heart keeps the seed of God's word at arm's distance. And when it's out there, that's a place where Satan can just devour it effortlessly. It doesn't, doesn't have a chance. It's gone as soon as it lands. And this is you if you are not currently grabbing on to the message of Christ and, and making it your own in a way that actually changes and brings about the saving work that God does in hearts. So the first soil is a heart that is hard to God. Now the second soil, it's shallow. And the seed sprouts, but it doesn't last. Let's look at it. Verse six, some fell on rocky ground. And that's not soil with rocks in it. Think of a rock bed with a thin layer of soil on it. No, we don't have it on there. Uh, there we go. This second one. See, it's rock on the bottom, and then there's just a little bit of soil on, on top of it there. And what happens there? The plants withered because they had no moisture. So you see, the roots are shallow. And when the drought comes and that layer of soil dries up, the plant just withers and dies. What does that represent? Jesus says in verse 13, those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but here's the key. In the time of testing, they fall away. So at first, they, they look like the real deal. They look like they're all in, but then the time of testing comes. What's, what's that? That's well, hardship. Hardship. See, this soil represents someone whose faith doesn't make it through the hard times. And I tell you, the older I get, the more I realize no one is exempt from hard times. And the older I get, the more I realize that those hard times are not so few and far in between. They come at us from every angle and every shape and size, and uh, they don't seem to let anyone off the hook. They're going to come your way. But the same drought, you notice this, the same drought that'll kill one plant will cause the roots of another plant to go deeper. And that plant will end up being more hardy than before the drought. Hardship has a way 
of either making it or breaking it when it comes to your faith. The second soil represents a shallow commitment to Christ that won't endure hardship. This third soil here, it's full of thistles, thorns, the ugly plants. We plant tomatoes, we get thistles. I don't know why it is. The earth is cursed. That's life, and the seed is eventually choked out. Verse 7, other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up with it. So this one lasts for a little while. This makes it. This, this, one, this, this person comes to church for a long time. Grew up with it and choked the plants. This is a slower death. The plant will grow, but it'll be malnourished. It'll be underdeveloped. It, it won't ultimately accomplish its intended result. And what does that represent? When Jesus says in verse 14, the seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. So this, this third soil represents your faith being choked out by competing priorities, worrying about tomorrow, trying to make as much money as you can, living for higher levels of comfort and and security and so on. And all of those endeavors um, will threaten your faith if they compete with Christ until the, the latter is uh, just kind of choked out. This third soil represents competing priorities. But now we come to the fourth soil. This one's a different story. Verse eight, we see that the fourth soil is a good seed and it produces a thousandfold. It produces a bumper crop. Verse eight, other seed fell on good soil and it came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. A hundred times more than you plant one seed, you get a hundred things from it. This simply speaks of incomprehensible abundance. This seed accomplishes its intended result and then some, much more, uh, more than we can imagine. And what does this represent? Jesus says, verse 15, the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart. What does, that, what does that mean, noble and good heart? The term in the Greek there, the, the opposite of it would be a good-for-nothing heart, a, a heart that doesn't do what it's supposed to do. But, but what this term means is a fully functional heart, an excellent-for-its-purpose, um, a, a heart that, that accomplishes what God designed it to accomplish. And those with a noble and good heart, what do they do? The verse continues. They hear the word, they retain it, and by persevering, they produce a crop. That's that bumper crop type faith right there. You see those three qualities of a heart that is good soil? What do they do? They hear the word, they retain it, they persevere. Let's look at those one at a time here. A good soil hears the word. 
And this, this is a type of hearing that actually understands. I coach flag football for nine-year-olds. And I'll go, okay, you're going to run an in route. What, what route are you going to run? In route, all right? So you're going to go five yards and you're going to cut in, right? What are you going to do? An in route, five yards and cut in. Okay, you're in here. Got it. Okay, hike the ball. They run straight down the field every time. <laughs> That's not hearing. <laughs> you ever talk to someone and they're listening and you go, but no, 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 you're not hearing me. This is a type of hearing that understands correctly. See, we all need, this is our greatest need, to understand who Jesus really is. To understand what he has done and to understand what he promises. And our primary source of encountering Jesus and the truth about him is the 66 books of the Old and New Testaments. Good soil hears the word. Second thing good soil does, it retains the word or it holds it fast, your translation might say. So it's not in one ear and out the other, but they actually grab onto it, appropriate it, embrace it, make it personal, experience, and put it into action. So this is beyond memorization. It's doing what it takes to get it from your head to your heart and then from your heart to your hands. Good soil retains the word of God. The last thing a good soil does is perseveres. All that means is I'm going to hold on to the message of Jesus for the long haul. Anyone, who, anyone I've ever baptized, I asked you a question. Those of you who were baptized will remember what that question was. And I say, are you ready to follow Jesus for the rest of your life? For the rest of your life. The, the good soil that perseveres holds on to the word of God and is committed to Christ for the long haul, saying, Jesus, I'm, I'm yours. I'm going to follow you no matter what. Dark valleys, green pastures alike, I'm yours. I'm in, no matter what. And that good soil, by persevering through the drought-like hardships, produces fruit. And so... What does this mean for us today? I believe this means we should all ask ourselves, prayerfully before God, we should all ask ourselves, which, which soil am I right now? Not which soil was I five years ago. But which, which soil am I this week, today? And the focus of this parable so often becomes, well, uh, which, which soils are saved? You ever, you ever be in a Bible study or something and you're talking about this parable and it d turns out, well, okay, well, uh, the, the first soil clearly isn't saved and the fourth soil clearly is saved, but what about the second and third? Are they, are they kind of saved or a little bit saved, but not all the way saved? Are they saved and then they get unsaved? And the parable here is purposefully ambiguous because the point isn't to be a diagnostic tool to try to figure out who's saved or not. Ladies and gentlemen, the point is we don't wanna be any of the soils except the fourth one. Like the thought of being any of the three should wake us up. The thought of being any of the three should wake us up, but, but the thought of being the fourth should inspire us and should warm our hearts. And so, 
let's, let me just ask you, let's talk about each, each soil, and I want you to think about no one else but you before God. If the soil of your heart is hard to God right now, you are in a very precarious position, and God doesn't want you to live there. It is very possible to be in contact with the word of God on a regular basis, but never let it sink down into your heart. Theoretical understanding is insufficient. We need personal experience with the truth, which includes growing to know it and aligning our lives with it. We need, we need to do what we can in cooperation with the Spirit of God and the people of God to get it from our noggins down to our hearts where we, where we make decisions and then out into our hands and our feet and our mouths. If your commitment to Christ is shallow, you are in a very precarious position. If you're only, like right now, if you're only committed to Jesus as long as you're comfortable and stable and secure and prosperous, but that commitment goes out the, goes out the plywood window when, you know, as soon as times get tough, listen, it's not Jesus you're worshiping. It's the comfort and the stability and the security and the prosperity. Do you know Jesus was described as the suffering servant? Every single one of his disciples suffered. Jesus consistently and emphatically warned that anyone who calls him Lord, suffering would be a part of the package. And if you follow him, you are promised, guaranteed, in the bank, locked in a tomorrow where there is no suffering, but not a today where there is no suffering. And, and that's important because, guys, our biggest problem is not that we're sufferers who need relief. Our biggest problem is that we're sinners and we need salvation. If your priorities are divided, if competing priorities, right now you're in a precarious position. If you're partially committed to Christ, but you're just as committed to other areas, it's just not a good spot to be in. Those other areas will eventually kind of grow up like thorns and, and choke out your commitment to Christ. I think about how Jesus defines the thorns in verse 14. He talks about life's worries, riches, pleasures. If our, if our priorities are all about avoiding suffering, gaining significance, experiencing satisfaction, those priorities will eventually win out. Now, let's take a career. Just for, for example, let's take a career just to kind of, kind of flesh this out a little bit. If my career, if I think, man, if my career is not my number one focus, it doesn't get all my time and all my energy and the best of me. If my career is not my number one focus and I don't get that just a little bit more wealth, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suffer in some way or, or I'm not going to be seen as significant or I, I won't be able to achieve that little bit more comfort and uh, affluence in my lifestyle. You know, and the point is uh, not don't have a career. <laughs> this doesn't mean don't have a career. It just means don't allow your career to be Lord of your life. Like, Jesus is the only king. 
And what do you do when you, when you, when you recognize that Jesus is king? You submit your career to him. You say, Jesus, this is your career, not mine. You gave it to me, you can take it away. Nothing matters more than you. So this, this is, this is, since it's yours, you do with it what you wish. If you want me to leave it, I'm gone. You want me to leave it and serve you elsewhere, I will. If you want me to stay in this career and serve you in the context of this career, I will. I'll stay as long as you want me. Show me how to honor you through this career. But in anything, Lord, it is not king of my life. You are. Big picture. We want to be a church that's full of people whose lives bear fruit. We want to be a church full of people whose lives, whose faith produces a bumper crop into the world around us. And so my challenge for you this morning, church, is this. Would you read this? It's Luke 8, 4 through 15. Would you spend time this week reading it? Would you pray? And would you ask God this? Would you say, God, would you show me any area in my life in which my heart is not good soil right now? Can you pray that? After reading it and, and praying through it, pray, God, will you show me any area of my life in which my heart is not good soil right now? And maybe the soil of your heart is hard to God right now. Maybe your commitment to Christ is shallow right now. Maybe you have priorities in life that are competing with your faith in Christ. Whatever the case, you need to make a decision about it. You need to make a decision about it now. And then look to God for help. Look to God to cultivate the soil. You know the soil can't till itself. That's why we have rototillers. The soil, but we, we, we gotta look to him for help. And if you allow God to till the soil of your life and make, make your heart good soil, you will have that bumper crop type faith that produces fruit a hundred times over out into the world and just changes the landscape and makes it a better place to live. God will, God will, God will be pleased to work not just in you, but also through you. And it's a beautiful thing. If you allow him to cultivate the soil of your life, you can't imagine what God's gonna do. You can't imagine what God's gonna do with your life. And so much of it we don't even see. Praise God, he allows so much of our lives to be used in ways we don't even see. Would you stand now and let's close in prayer and read this benediction. Lord, you are, you are the gardener of the soil of our hearts. And um, we are so prone to be one of the first three soils, Lord. Hard, shallow in our commitment, uh, competing priorities, Lord. Divided, but we want to be good soil. We want to we wanna receive your word in a way that bears fruit many times over, Lord. And so, God, would you work in us? Would you come and, and cultivate, cultivate our hearts, Lord? And I pray this in Jesus' name. And now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to the power, his power that is... W w
at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And God's people said, amen. God bless you, church. We'll see you next Sunday.